in this episode. This time we're going to be talking about pistol caliber PDWs and why those are the best firearm out there whatsoever because we all know that if John McClane was able to defeat a terrorist organization single-handedly with a PDW, then it's got to be good for everybody else. See, okay, this is where we're going to have issues. I think we're going to have issues. We're going to have a lot of issues, I think. How dare you talk bad about my MP5 clone that uh, has yet to be shot after a year. You st- we still haven't shot that yet? No, we still haven't shot I didn't even yet. know you had one, to be honest. You have. In an obtuse world, Mark and Hefe will combine military, law enforcement, and general FUD knowledge to keep you vertical. Welcome to the Live, Laugh, LARP podcast. Okay, hey, thanks for swinging by, guys. I really do appreciate everybody checking the podcast out. Uh, welcome to episode number two. Naturally, I've got my co-host, Hefe, here with me. How you doing, Hefe? I'm here, so not so great. <laughs> Blink twice if you're okay. Yeah, I tell you what. I, I really want to just take a second to not only say thank you to Jim for the intros. We're going to be alternating him with uh, some of the other intros. But uh, also, if you guys listened to the first episode and you're back for more, thank you for that because we know that the uh, first episode probably wasn't our best effort. Uh, had some audio issues, but we have Thanks, a, Amazon. <laughs> yeah, we actually have a legit setup this time. And, uh, Thanks again, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Amazon. So hopefully this sounds a lot better. We're going to do constant improvement but uh let us know if you guys have any questions concerns comments complaints manifestos anything whatsoever we have an email address that you can send those to uh they may or may not be answered most of them will probably go into the trash can but uh we'd love to hear from you anyway it's definitely a good place to send your feet pics um hairier the better hefe's all about feet pics dirtier the better too (laughs) but I digress. Thank you again for you guys swinging by. We're going to be talking about pistol caliber PDWs and why those are the best firearm out there whatsoever. Because we all know that if John McClane was able to defeat a terrorist organization single-handedly with a PDW, then it's got to be good for everybody else. See, okay, this is where we're going to have issues. I think we're going to have issues. So. We're going to have a lot of issues, I think. How dare you talk bad about my MP5 clone that uh, has yet to be shot after a year? Are you st- we still haven't shot that yet? No, we still haven't shot that yet. I didn't even know you had one, to be honest. You have you have a closet full of just hot trash, so it's hard to figure out what you do and don't have. Um, well, I think the first thing to kind of start with is um, almost defining what the pistol caliber what a pistol caliber carbine is pistol caliber pdw is um what kind of is the remnants of the submachine gun world yeah uh, to kind of answer get you know deep into those those life philosophical questions so Um, so would you would you consider let's 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 kind of categorize things first would you consider a 357 lever action gat a Pistol caliber carbine, yes or no? Yes. Okay. It's a pistol caliber and it's a carbine. Okay, there you go. So Boom. <laughs> would that fall into this realm of discussion today? Or are we saying, no, we're just going to focus in on PDW? So what if you kind of look at the term pistol caliber carbine, it's one of those like very self-defined term. It is a carbine, so you're probably looking at anything from... Uh, traditional terms, probably anything from like 10 to 16-inch length barrel... We're looking at more of a a rifle rifle aesthetics, like think things like AR nines. You're looking at the Henry Homesteaders. You're looking at the Ruger PCCs. Um, MP5s will probably fall in that category too, because uh, you're you're taking a what was traditionally called a submachine gun and making it a semi-auto platform, and that kind of falls back into that pistol caliber carbine. When you start talking about the PDWs, I think I think Brass Facts had a great way of describing it. Um, they're just they're more compact. Uh, they're usually he had some maths behind. It. I think he said it was like twenty twenty 
24 or 25 inches yeah. in total length. You should have collapsible stocks. Um, a lot of the features would be a, um, I think the big defining feature would be a, almost a, um, I think it's called a pistol grip fed magazine. So instead of having a, like an MP5 where the magazine has a mag, uh, you have your pistol grip magwell separate, uh, a, a PDW is kind of merging the realm between a more capable handgun. Um, it's like a handgun plus uh, that rather than a carbine minus. Right. So would the would the Raider be in this realm? That's a I would say PDW. Yeah. So what you're doing? So what essentially the PDW based off my two brain cells and whatever I can remember of it. The entire premise behind it was to have to kind of came out in the, during the cold war area era, uh, the PDWs, as we know, it came out kind of the cold war area to be a more capable handgun for, um, rear echelon troops to traditionally defeat Russian, Russian Soviet armor, which was, um, kind of this, the level three. So we're looking at, let's look kind of, led to the five seven caliber um cartridges being developed a lot of companies made about five seven uh pdws to compete for nato i think P, um they ended up that's how the mp9 became a thing was yep. a smaller more it's inter, like a smaller intermediate cartridge uh to defeat armor but it was supposed to be better than a handgun because What's what's really the I can't think the the death of the PDW concept is the ideas. Um, if you're taking a um, taking a platform that's designed to be a little bit more capable than a pistol that was in the 80s and 90s or 70s, 80s and 90s, um, we've already we we suppress that in our concealed carry like the the traditional concealed carry gun you think of nowadays far surpasses what a PDW platform was um aimed to be outside of um the ability to defeat minimal ballistic armor. Yeah, so and just to make sure that everybody is on the same page as far as terms, PDW stands for personal defense weapon. Um I, I I'd like to say that that should be, um, I don't know, intuitive, but, you know, we, we may have a lot of listeners that are new, and if you are new, welcome. But um, realistically, we are looking at something that is small, compact, something that is easily concealable, uh, something that could maybe go into a backpack. Um, usually, well, not usually, is a pistol caliber, so 9mm, 45. Mm, um, or you, you get some of those weird cartridges that, you know, the um, like the 5.7, yep. uh, I can't remember, I think it's 4.6 is the is the MP9. I'm going to Google MP7. You, you, you confused that the last time, too. Yeah, I did. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, 4.6 by 30. Which yeah is really really weird. I don't I don't mm. really understand. It's expensive. The concept. Well yeah, no, it's expensive. <laughs> Everything about HK is expensive, yeah. um, and they hate you. The um, six hours going that route, they're gonna hate you soon too. They yeah, they do, are but... because they already have all the contracts that they yeah. ever need, yep. and they don't have to worry about fixing any of their firearms. Um, so there's that. Um, I, I think we we both are probably on the same page when it comes to um, being extremely critical of six hour yeah yeah Yeah. don't like them yeah not at all not at all not at all even if even if tune in next time to figure out why i hate six hour (laughs) (laughs) even though someone could hand you a like a p226 Mm -hmm. you'd still be like "Ah, get that trash out of here i won't say if someone's giving me a free gun if someone said here here's a free sig 226 i'll be thank you for handing me a free 226 (laughs) i i think and the the I think the 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 hatred for six hour is more of a modern thing, not a a passing like a Sig two two six, especially if you have like a a good quality one that's built probably like in the nineties. Mm-hmm. It's completely different than someone handing you an M seventeen <laughs> today. What's, what's wrong with the M seventeen? Oh, so, so many things. <laughs> um, like but when, getting back on track. Yeah, let's get, get back on track about PDWs. Tra- PDWs. So, um. 
the MP5 is the best there is. No, I would say no that's ever- more of a pistol caliber carbine. So I think what it's kind of the same thing that's it's kind of shown up between um, like the the actual term of an assault rifle, you know, or a machine gun, where you'd have um, like the like a standard army issued M4 and the difference between that and a AR-15. We call those two things very different terms because of the capabilities they have. Okay. Um, so, for example, if I took a traditional M4 and pitted it up against AR-15, there's a whole list of things that are different from them. Um, the biggest biggest ones are the um, the burst and or full auto, depending on which model of M4 that you're issued these days. I think they're all retroactively fit for full auto these days, but who knows? Um, and, but the AR-15 is not, so we call them two different terms. One's a, a modern sporting rifle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that term is long gone. But we call it. Um, we don't call it a you know a quote unquote assault rifle. It's a um, it's a it's a rifle. Sure. Or semi-auto rifle or whatever you want to call it these days. I think that's the same thing when we get to the MP5. On the civilian side, it's more of a pistol caliber carbine. But if you take like a a an MP5 from any sort of law enforcement agency or federal agency that has the not one, not two, but three different giggle switches. Mm-hmm. Um, you can classify that as a submachine gun, not a pistol caliber carbine. Okay. So where does okay? So we've talked about it a little bit, and you're you were saying that uh, you know a grip magazine fed style mm-hmm. firearm would be more of what you were speaking of. So. Where does, like, say, the MAC-10 or the Uzi... Uh, PWs, PWs, PWs. Okay, so you're, you're still going yep. with PDW, even though that there's probably going to be people who's like, no, you've got, you have AR-15s that are uh, reduced down, and they're like PDWs because they're like 8-inch barrels so, with 300 blackout. Well, so, yeah, but like, uh, Dan Defense actually has one. I think it's called the DD-PDW or something like that. Um, and it's a 300 blackout. I think it's a four to it's like a six or seven inch barrel. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, some guy is going to correct us in whatever chat or whatever comment section that we have off of this. But um, yeah, it's going to, there's going to be the term PDW used incorrectly. Same thing as, you know, people are labeling ARs as assault rifles. That's a co- two completely different terms. Um, I think once you start getting into a, a um, pit, like a AR pistol, or lack of a better term, where you're talking, you have these nine, ten, seven inch, three hundred blackout pistols with either some sort of folding stock system or a PDW stock system. You're still having a pretty lengthy, lengthy rifle. You're still going. It's also going to be about, um, I think they're like twenty eight to thirty something inches, mm-hmm. still long. Yeah, and then they're still big old bulky guys now try to take that and throw it in a underneath a coat and you're going to realize that it's it's pretty girthy compared to if you took um something specifically designed to be um something designed to be hidden by a coat a concealed carry submachine gun lack of better terms um you're going to find that those the the platforms designed to do that one specific job are not going to be the same as a piss like a pistol length ar right so then in your mind what is what is your perfect setup what, what, for if, a pdw yeah it's like if if you are going to put yourself into a firearm that meets all of these criteria what, what is it going to be that See, you're looking at so the hard thing now is the i think the the besides the mp7 that's like you know well that's the easy one to go with um the the hard hot question. take hot take here hot take I don't like the MP7. Have you ever shot one? No. Oh. Hmm. And even yeah. I don't I don't feel like I need to shoot one. The reason why I don't mm-hmm. like them is because of all of this hype around it and how mm-hmm. you know you you we we have to have HK import these into the United States, uh, but it's it's pretty bulky. In comparison to a lot of the other things that we could have, it is in a caliber that is extremely rare. Uh, 
I mean, magazines are probably... You said perfect world. You, you said a perfect world for me, not a sure, realistic I, world. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm just saying that even even today mm. in the not-so-perfect world, um, I'm just not a... I'm just, I, don't, I don't get what the MP7 has to offer that you can't get from a P90, you know? Yeah. Um, I think what the the MP7 brings is just a lot of firepower in a very small package. The nice thing about the 4.6 round is, if I remember, off, um, I'm, I'm spitballing numbers off the top of my head because it's been a while since I've even played with one. Uh, the flush fits are 30 rounders, and then you get like 50, 60 rounders mm-hmm. from just the stick mags, so like the, right. the traditional stick mags. So you can carry a lot with them. Sure. Uh, the what the MP7 also has that is very unique to that sort of platform is rail, rail space. Now that seems really silly to talk about. No, you know, that's these small a good point. small little guns. Um, if you take the almost somewhat direct competitors, you have it used to be the Stayer T, TMP9, but now it's uh, the BNT9. Um, and you have things like you know the Mac 10s, Mac 11s, Uzis. Um, try to even think of the Flux Raider. I, I can throw that one in yeah, there too. Yeah. When you start taking these, um, yeah, was it the? Was I just looked them up. The PP two thousand, the Russian PP two thousands or whatever yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. PPs. Um, <laughs> a lot of them don't have the rail space to um, to really mount what. See, this is what's going to be silly too. What a lot of people think that they want on their guns, things of optics, um, flashlights, IR devices, if you want to have shoot under, uh, under nods, um, having all that stuff on a PDW makes it bulky and kind of defeats the purpose of having a PDW. But, um, but at the same time, if you want to have that capability, there's not very many guns that can have that. I mean, if you, yeah. I don't want to invoke brass facts again, but his TP, uh, he has a v- video of his TP nine. Yeah. And the headache of trying to get a light, an optic, yep. and an IR device on that thing was challenging. Well, him and Hop just did a video, too, regarding bullpups and yeah. the struggle that they have just with bullpups. Mm-hmm. And you would think, oh, well, bullpups, you should be able to put something together like that. But uh, they still struggle, too. And it actually brings another uh, another great question is, you know, does every single firearm that you have that is meant to be kind of a fighting firearm, does it have to be set up for night vision? And if you have night vision, it should be um, something that is easily transferable. Maybe that's not the correct term I want to use. Um, something that you can easily use under nods. Think of um, something as simple as your concealed carry handgun. Does your, does your pistol optic have some sort of night vision? Um, night vision setting on it or can you dim it down enough so you can use it under night nods mm-hmm. um that makes it a night vision capable capable gun uh, is it the m- most ideal does it have a ir um laser and illuminator probably not um you can buy them they're expensive and they're not that great i don't know um, olight has some uh IR yeah no you would, you would know you probably have a closet full of them somewhere uh, uh i'm pretty sure my house would have burned down by now but you can also um, kind of fix that pretty easily too. Uh, I actually was just looking at these today, and I, I want to get one and test them out. Um, there's a company that makes a uh, IR filter for a TLR one, so you can just throw that on your TLR one and makes an IR illuminator. Yeah. I don't know how well it works, and I don't know if it's any good, but it's yeah. I, I would think that that would be a bit of an issue, as much as the TLR one is now with the fogging up of the lens you know if you don't if you don't maintain that that light it's going to get fogged up from all of the carbon yeah all all handgun lights do that yeah but it seems like that from my experience the tlr1 is more susceptible to that for most of the setups that i use because it sticks out so much further than the barrel yeah um clean your stuff then like, i don't know what <laughs> oh, no, i'm just saying no <laughs> no, no no um yeah that's that that happens a bunch too um and that's why uh 
yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't know how effective that that system will be, but that's definitely one of those things where just to answer your question, it there's what a lot of people think when it comes to setting up a, a firearm for IR use, you have to have um, like a PEX box with a IR laser and illuminator um, and EOTEX and, you know, spend the, the, the astronomical amounts to shoot um, under nods, which it, those stuff helps. That stuff helps those stuff. That stuff helps in the um, ability to shoot under nods. But as long as your whatever optic that you have on your gun has some sort of night vision setting that is somewhat capable, um, you should be able to at least do some some work with night vision. Sure. I'm not saying it's not the best. It's just going to be hard. I'm not going to be nailing you know IPSEC targets at 100, 200 yards with a a handgun with a hollow sun turned all the way down as well as I could with a rifle that's set up sure. for IR. Yep. Um, but that's again, we're getting off topic here. About yeah, right. In, from PDWs to night vision, but that does kind of translate into the um, what I think the the biggest downfall of the PDW system these days is that the concealed carry guns that we are carrying these days are as capable or break or close to the gap of capabilities that the PDW was designed to have. Um, if you just kind of think back to when the PDW was created, everyone was carrying, um, if you want to jump back to, let's say, the 70s and 80s, uh, the Colts, uh, XM-177s were relatively new. Yep. The, everyone was rocking 20-inch carry-handled M16s. Um, there were still some M1 carbines floating around there, and then you had the 1911 or a 38 Special Revolver. Yep. And if you take those capabilities and even go into like the law enforcement or to even the more specialized federal guys, they're running, I think, Smith & Wesson 4096s. They're running either single stack or very few people were running Glocks at that time. Um, but the the capabilities of a handgun back then were, um, were very minimal at best, you know, even today, if you go buy your your fancy staccatos, put an iron sights on it, shooting twenty five yards isn't impossible, but it's a lot more challenging for a relatively novice shooter than a staccato with an uh, with a Acro P two on it. Yep. Um, I think we've started with the advent of uh, the the industry focusing on a capable carry handgun like the Macro X's. The 48s, the uh, whatever MMP is making these days. I don't know much about Shield. Shield pluses yeah. with yeah, Shield Plus. Yeah. I think that's what they're called and now. You got the, Hill, the Hellcat. Hellcats. Yeah. Um, Mossberg has them. Taurus has them. Everyone's yeah. coming out with these very capable, high capacity, small carry handguns that are light and optic capable, where you can go out and buy one of these things and be very effective out to 20, 30, 40, maybe 50, 60, 70 yards with very minimal training. Yeah. Because it's just put the dot on the target and have okay-ish fundamentals. So, and I, I think I see a culmination of multiple different things happening at the same time. Just like you said, mm-hmm. you know, we go back into the 70s, 80s, early 90s, you know, we see a very um, small... Uh, spectrum of firearms that had capabilities that could defeat a PDW, right? Mm-hmm. But now we, like you say, we see not only uh, a wider selection of firearms that have capabilities to do so many more things than what could have been done 20, 30 years ago, but we also see the amount of information readily accessible to a novice shooter that could go and watch, you know, a insert influencer's name here, you know, definitely not me, but, you know, who could go out and, you know, learn something off of a YouTube video, uh, apply that to the firearm that they choose and still have the lethality of um, most, if not all PDWs that were on the market. You know, I think that the I think that there you might have uh, a little bit more accuracy out of say you know a P320 and a Flux Raider 
than just holding it in your hands, you know, teacup style. I would call it more of like recoil management. Oh, okay. Guess, that's, that's good probably yeah. better. Mm-hmm. The accuracy yep. is going to stay the same. You're going to shoot it the same as the follow-up shots. But even then, um, you're taking a a direct blowback handgun. It's still going to, I mean, if you take a, something in a flux, and this is going to be a caveat. I've never shot a flux rider, but I've shot a lot of direct, um, direct blowback um, uh, PDW style guns or even pistol caliber carbines. Those guys thump. They thump pretty hard, mm-hmm. and for a nine millimeter, compared to if you had, I mean, a even somewhat properly gas short barreled AR, it's going to be thumping about this about equal. Yep. Um, they were almost taking a platform designed to be held into the ether and and work off recoil. And now we're shouldering that. Um, it's just going to thump a little different. I'm not saying that's going to make it worse or or infinitely better, but it's just. Uh, you're not going to be seeing the the as fast follow shot uh, fast as fast as follow up shots as you thought you're going to be when you throw that flux raider on or something like that. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I, I honestly believe that, um, like you were saying, mm-hmm. with the advent of newer pistols, the aftermarket support on a lot of these newer pistols. I mean, shoot, you're you're seeing. Um, Oh man, what's the uh, what's the new barrel and comp? Oh, setup? ramjet, ramjet, yeah, uh, radian ramjet. Yeah, so you you can put one of those on your Glock. That's mm-hmm. going to reduce your um, your recoil by thirty seven point three percent. I don't know how they came up with that number. Uh, no, it's, it's easy when you install it. The bar for recoil just shortens. Yeah. When you yeah. look at your stat sheet, I would have just completely made that number up anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> I think <laughs> but, actually it's, it's something ridiculous. I think they say it's up to like forty something percent. Um, but yeah, it's that's what's kind of weird. We're, the The amount of game uh, game stuff that came out of uh, the competition scene, where you start having handguns with optics and compensators, has really kind of just changed the landscape of what a capable firearm is now if you were if you were were back in the 80s or 90s where round two opening up our our carbonated waters (laughs) um when you if you're back in like the 80s and 90s when um your 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 concealed carry options were were like an m like a beretta m9 um, there was maybe a chance you got a Glock 26. Like that's this, even just thinking about that, the Glock 26 was about it. And those things are chunky boys. Yep. Um, but, and then, uh, you have a Beretta M9 with NATO standard 124 grain, uh, full metal jacket ammo. And then they say, Hey, go off to war with this. You're like, nah, I don't want to do this at all. This sucks. Yeah. And that's why the PDW, I think, kind of reigned supreme so long. And now that we are, now you have guys that um, just in their pants on their gym shorts can have a, um, let's, a, I don't even know, like a, like a five, seven handgun with an optic and a light and 60 rounds and an Enigma system in their gym shorts have almost, if not more capability than, three uh like a, a rifle pdw or handgun pdw setup back in the 80s and 90s so what you're saying is the 1911 is not the end-all be-all of no, 20 2011 is going to win this war that's for sure <laughs> the date it- of recording is the 24th of october right now i know we didn't mention that earlier so world war three hasn't officially kicked off yet um but we all know that it actually started in 2016 uh that's correct yeah, that's one hundred percent correct. Well, this actually uh, brings up a really side note Rest topic. Piece Bay. But I was, <laughs> I was talking uh, over dinner. I was talking to Nan and uh, was uh, bringing up the the fact that uh, you know we had the rumblings of things that are starting to happen right now. Mm-hmm. Way back in twenty nineteen, case in point, Fort Riley started sending troops to Poland in 2019 as a rotational basis, right? Now, some people would say, oh, well, that was because, you know, we downsized our footprint in Europe, so we started rotating soldiers in different as- different areas of the Eastern Bloc countries. Okay, sure, that that's that's one explanation, but then how is it that, uh, you know, 
the Crimea situation was still going on at that time. And then we just so happened to start sending um, soldiers on rotation to Poland. And fast forward a couple of years, now all of a sudden Russia's invading. And then fast forward another couple of years, and the SecDef's like, hey guys, just prepare to deploy to... Yeah. So, so the what's really weird living in these times is... Um, we kind of lose historical events. Um, what's the the, the the analogy I'm trying to use? We lose the forest for the trees. Yeah. The trees mm-hmm. for the forest, whatever yeah. one is, is we see these events that are happening all around us. We're like, oh, wow, this is a very big critical event. And then we move on to the next thing because we are very short-sighted. And that's just, that's just human nature. That's, you know, how it usually is. If you look at, you know, if you were some, some dude on the streets and watched Archduke Ferdinand get assassinated, you're like, oh, that was pretty cool. I'm going to go back to my bakery and smoke a cigarette. Like yeah. you didn't think yeah. about it that much. And then yeah. you, then it's the slow trickle downfall into what led to world war one, then led to the, the rise of the Nazi party that led to world war two. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's these small events, uh, not small events. It's just the, um, the grain of sand analogy. When does a, when do you take a grain, a pile of grain of sand? When does it become a heap? Mm-hmm. If you take a grain of sand and put it on a table, nothing happens. You put two on there. Is it now a heap? No, it's still it's two. And you keep on adding these one one little things or these one small events until eventually you look down and like, oh, there's a whole heap of sand here. How did this happen? Yep. Um and it's you know, it's, there's probably a lot that happened after, you know, Archduke Ferdinand's assassinated that we just don't really think of it as being a catalyst for the 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 World War One leading into World War Two. And that's what we kind of see today is, you know, what are we see, uh, what are we not seeing and what are we not associating together like what you talked about 2019 um i think it started in 20 i can't remember 2017 2018 when the creation of operation atlantic resolve started yep. um where nato kind of started looking at the united states like, hey we need some help bolstering defense our defenses and nato or the u.s started um the operation atlantic resolve and going we can talk a little bit more about that on a, on a later date uh but then you have, uh, so we have that kicking off. Then we have, you know, twenty what's twenty fourteen Crimea? Was mm-hmm. it twenty fourteen? Uh, yeah, no. twenty fourteen. Well, that was that was the coup d'état. That, yeah, that was the, uh, the, the, the CIA funded uh, coup d'état in Ukraine. Yeah, what do they call it? The the fi- winter of winter flames or something like that? Or sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's a yeah. documentary on Netflix on it. It's not that great, but, um, but then yeah, the takeover. I'm, I'm thinking about the invasion of Georgia. I think when oh, Russia okay. invaded Georgia, that okay. was like in twenty. Uh, probably like 2010. Uh, then we had Crimea. We have all these small, like s- small events that, you know, 20, 30, 100 years from now, when kids are learning world history, they're going to, you know, it's going to be this one event that they're going to look back at as the catalyst. And they're going to learn the, the, the trickle events kind of like we learn uh, that we, when we learn any sort of event in school, it's not, okay, now we're going to talk about, um, you know, the beginning of the Korea War, what kicked off that. Yeah. And we find like one event. It's like this happened and yeah. then led to this, led to yeah. this, led to this. Um, and that, that brings up, you know, a lot of people look at the Res- Revolutionary War and how how the Revolutionary War started and everything. They're like, oh, well, the Boston Massacre, you mm-hmm. know, that happened. And then and then there was like the Boston Tea Party. And then the and, Lexington, or and Lexington and Concord. Concord. And- a lot of people don't realize that there was over five years span of time between the Boston Massacre and the first shots fired of the American mm-hmm. Revolution. Yeah. So there is a lot of things that could have happened in between those those five years. Yeah. So uh, just you know, from a historical aspect, you know, I've made the comment more than once today is we are watching the fall of Rome in real time, you know, and no one talks about the fall of Rome in a very long, you know, timeline it's all oh well the huns came across and you know and just toppled rome it's a chapter in your history book exactly right yeah it's you know might you might get a couple of paragraphs through the entire history of rome Hmm. but we are actually living through it right now and that's one of the things that's so interesting i'm trying to i'm i'm not trying to black pill i'm not that far yet i don't think we're at a fall of any society just yet um i know i understand that we are 
that it's easy to look at every, all the events going on around us to easily, easily take that black pill. It's like, well, it's the fall of society. It's the fall of the United States. It's the fall of the, the American empire, the American dream. Soon we're going to be all overrun and speaking whatever next language is going to be next. Sure. Um, what the, the next 10, 15, 20, 40 years are going to look like, I don't really know, but um, I'm just, I'm not there just yet of the, the, the world is going to be a darker, gloomier place because the America has fallen that we know of as we know it. Yeah. Well, just remember folks, um, you know, things are getting dark, but the memes are going to get darker. So, <laughs> um, so the, buy a lot of O lights. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, uh, brighten up your day the, the, and the, your pockets. The biggest thing is when I say, you know, we're watching the fall of Rome in real time. It, it's from my perspective, it's a meme. It, it's a joke, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it's a joke because I see a, a reel come across my Instagram feed, and I'm just like, "This is just pure depravity," you know. And oh, look, you know, this is the one more example of the fall of Rome. So, um, there you have it. We've gone from PDWs to the fall of Rome, all in a matter of 35 minutes. Yeah. Was there anything else that you wanted to the you wanted to talk about when it came to PDWs? As far as like, let me let me ask you this. Let's okay. get back on track here. Let me ask you um, if, let's say that I wanted to set up a PDW, what role would that fit? Is that, in your head, would you say that for a civilian, right? Mm-hmm. For, for you, for me, um, maybe, maybe we're going to talk to um, your friend, uh, is it Tyler that you introduced me to just over the weekend? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe we're going to make a recommendation to him. He wants to get something like that. What role does it fit? Is it like home protection? Is it backpack? Is it uh, you know, oh, you know, the 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 Russians are parachuting in? Um, so the because I've been playing with this for the past couple couple weeks myself too, because I've been interested in getting something that kind of fits that role. And then um in my circle of retardation, I kind of come back to, well, I have a handgun, so what what is this gonna bring? Um, so the hard thing with the recommending a PDW of any sort is I think the second you start talking about giving up, um, a rifle, an intermediate rifle caliber cartridge, um, for a handgun cartridge or some sort of bastard cartridge, (laughs) I guess is the best way to describe those ones like five, seven, four, six is that, um, yes, it's, the amount of capabilities you're going to get between your concealed carry handgun and that, and that rifle cartridge. Um, well, let me actually, let me go back. Let me, let me rephrase it this way. So if you took a, like, Hey, your handgun fits this parameters and a rifle fits this parameters, Mm -hmm. a PDW, the, the gap these days between a, a decently outfitted duty esque grade. I'm not talking, you have to carry like a Glock 34 with, your X300 turbo use and, um, and a, an Acro P2 on it, but you know, the, a well equipped concealed carry handgun, be it a SIG or a Glock with an optic and a light will fit about 80 to 90% of what a PDW would, would do these days. The only thing you're missing is some sort of brace or stock to at least help mitigate the recoil a little bit. But even then, um, when you start transitioning into the rifle side of things, uh, you kind of just, it's the capability of having a stocked pistol is just instantly lost. So if I was to recommend a PDW of some sort, I'd say that's almost kind of like the niche fun gun. When you start getting to the point where you have your, a good duty hand, uh, handgun with all the magazines and ammo you, you could ever want it plus more, a good duty rifle set up a that's when you can kind of start playing around that PDW range to be almost a kit gun. It would be something that you would have it in a, like a duffel bag or some sort of dedicated bag. So when you go travel, you're not hauling your 16 inch suppressed AR 15 everywhere. Um, but when you start talking about a off body carry gun, a smaller, like a smaller footprint off potty carry gun. Um, 
just for a little bit extra room, you can start carrying a, a smaller rifle, like a 9, 10-inch 300 blackout with a suppressor and better um, with lights and optics compared to now trying to diminish whatever capability that that rifle has between the handgun and a rifle to fit in a, a like a backpack. Um, Roll-wise, uh, the chances of there being a armed, like if I had to get, do like a pie graph, this is like round two of talking about graphs. Like we're, we're batting a thousand right now. We'll talk about graphs in this. But if you take a pie graph of, of all the bad shit that could happen to you out there a day, Getting into some sort of armed conflict is like incredibly minuscule. I'm talking about like percentages of percentages. And now, if you take that that small sliver of all the shit that can happen bad to you, um, the stuff that would be not solvable by a concealed carry handgun are now a sliver of that sliver. And the opportunity that you have to you to go equip yourself with whatever that thing is is even infinitesimally smaller the chances of you know for example you're in the mall with your family and an active shooter starts you're not going to run out to your car grab your pcc and try to run back in right because by the time you start going to the door when the cops are like hey there's a there's a white guy with a gun and they see you're running back in as a white guy with a gun they're going to smoke you that's that happens more often than everyone thinks everyone thinks they're going to do the their one r one um drill drop the bad guy and then the cops show up start giving them handshakes and think call them the hero more often than not the hero of the day gets shot there's a uh, this actually happened last year in colorado as a the beginnings of an active shooter in a mall and an off-duty cop ended up smoking the dude and then he so he smokes the guy walks up to the body and i wish i had more details on this I, I, i need to pull it up but um, he smokes the dude, grabs the rifle, and holds the, the corpse at gunpoint. Well, when law enforcement's told, hey, there's a guy with a rifle in the mall, and they find a guy with a rifle in the mall, they don't ask, you know, you don't really get asked to put the weapon down. You're like, it's end the threat right now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so they shot the off-duty cop that was on their side, but they don't know that. Yep. Um, actually, yeah, I'll even give this a real, uh, even more real-world example. Um a department I somewhat work for, uh, they do a um, an active shooter drill a bunch uh, about once a year in the schools, and this year they started throwing um, off-duty officers in the mix. And the amount of times I've seen off-duty officers get smoked in these scenarios because it's they walk, you know, they're dropping your kid off at school, active shooter starts, and you go start going room clearing with a gun, thinking you're going to be the hero of the day, and some you know some guy that has one or two years of road experience has no idea who he's looking for has never seen you before because you work at a police department um decides to smoke you because you are you are the target you're a guy with a gun in a school that shouldn't be a guy in a gun school so di- digressing back the chances of you getting into some armed conflict having the opportunity to retreat to back to a vehicle or a hotel room um secure a pdw of some sort and then make it back into a fight incredibly short um i think the only real case scenario um i can see those being any of any use is if you know you're going to like if you're going to a major metropolitan areas having one kind of nearby in your driver's seat or yep. just just in case something were to happen but again now you're you're talking now i have a 30 30 60 round pdw and there's 150 people around my car yep actually brings up another great point when you're talking about situations at, like you're in a mall. Yeah. Uh, you know, wh- what is, what am I supposed to do? You know, you pull it, out your concealed carry sh- sash. Thanks uh, from brownells.com. Go to brownells.com. <laughs> look up concealed carry sash. I, I highly recommend getting the fluorescent orange one with the brown lettering. There you go. You whip that out and throw it around. And it's pretty much makes you bulletproof. That, that, there this you go. is a real thing. You can go on. I think it's, I think they still have an on brown. I was going to Google that real quick. <laughs> but realistically, from my point of view is, you know, if I'm walking around the mall, especially with my daughter, uh, my number one um, mission in a situation where there is an active shooter is to protect my daughter. Um once my daughter is protected, then Ooh, they will, removed it. Oh, they removed it. But once my daughter is protected, then uh, I will assess the situation from there on whether or not I should help out. Um, naturally, in everybody's 
fantasy mind, yeah, absolutely, we want to be that guy that uh, is the dude like in Ohio that smoked the uh, the mall shooter from 40 yards away. I was about to say Dylan Levaney, but that's yeah, not no, even... No, that what is, was that dude's name? No, no, no. Dickens? I know his last yeah, name is Dickens. Like, like, yeah. dr- mm-hmm. There's Dickens drill. Yeah, yeah. So, but, um, but from my perspective, uh, my number one goal is to get my friends and family out of the uh, get them off the X as quickly as possible uh, and then you know assist where I need to uh, and I can tell you that if I'm already outside of that mall man uh, uh, it's going to be pretty tough to to get me to go back in there um, especially when you have law enforcement on the way or possibly already there I mean you're talking malls malls are huge huge they're so big, so, so big, big, so, so big. big. Um, but um, you don't know if law enforcement has already entered in from the north side when you're trying to evacuate your friends and family out from the south. You know, so um, you know a lot of a lot of different variables to to consider. But one of the things that Jeff did bring up is he made a comment about uh, R1R drills, and that is the drill of the episode. We're going to be talking about um, the concept of why you should or should not do the r Can I interrupt real quick, yes, sorry. I'm can. just super upset that that Brownells decided to be the bad guys in the situation oh. um, and not have their concealed carry sashes still for sale. Um, Brownells, yeah, fix yourself. Yeah, I know. Like, How dare you? Okay, back on to yeah. our back onto our drill of the episode. We're going to be talking about R1R drills. Should you or should you not actually practice R1R drills? Why are they even a thing? And are they useful? What do you think? Not all at once. For a beginning dry fire technique, I think they they serve their purpose. Um I think what the R one R one drill became re- like really popular with, um, especially when it comes to like the Reddit tactical gear channel, the concealed carry channels, Instagram, um, was a good way to demonstrate that one. I know how to rapidly deploy a handgun. I, I know how to draw a handgun really, really fast. Um, and then reload and reset my trigger and shoot again. Mm-hmm. Um, and demonstrate that I carry a, a, a backup magazine somewhere. Um, I think that's where it serves its purpose, and that's kind of where the, per, the 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 service ends. It's a good dry fire technique, however, and you'll instantly have millions of people type angry comments down this thing. You're teaching yourself training scars about, you know, you're going to shoot one round in a real scenario and then reload, which that's fair. If that's all you train, that's what you're going to do. You're going to... Um, you're not going to rise to the case and you're going to fall to the lowest level of training that you have. And that's, that's all the training you have. That's what you're going to fall to. Uh, so it's a good thing to have for a dry fire. I wouldn't for the range. Um, I've always, I, remember, I wish I remember who said this. It was some, some guy who's a lot smarter than me saying you should be getting all your reload, all your reloading, um, practicing during dry fire and other ranges for live fire. And you shouldn't be training reloads. You should just be, um, you should be at the point where a reload is just second nature, and should be at the point where you're just re- doing small refinements depending on what you're carrying. You're carrying out on a duty belt of some sort, on a plate carrier, or from concealment. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I never understood with the one R one drill. Is my first thing is okay. We have a one R one drill. Uh, how, how many rounds am I going to be carrying in my pistol? Because, uh, as soon as I draw my pistol, it should not be going empty. That's the number one thing. And then unless it's, unless unless. you can in one or you can in nine. Oh yeah. The second you shoot, the magazine's coming right out. The magazine's coming right out. The one, the sample size of one that we had, the second you pulled the trigger on thing, it shot that round and then yoded the magazine right at the bottom. (laughs) Exactly right. So it either induced a, uh, a misfeed or a, uh, or a failure to feed rather, or it just didn't feed at all. And it was a click, no bang. So, um, good job. High point. But the, uh, the other thing too is 
all right, so I'm going to reload. Okay, so I pull the trigger and I'm either at slide lock or something happens, I need to reload. Um, I reload and fire just one round, you know? That's not how the training that I've gone through has always taught me. Anytime that I draw my firearm, I fire as many rounds as I believe that I need to to stop that threat. Then plus one. <laughs> then plus one. <laughs> that is not legal advice. We are not attorneys. Yep. Do not follow that advice. So that's kind of where US I U.S. Concealed Carry Association. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's my thing. Um, they're fun. They're fun to do. They're fun to kind of, uh, you know, stand next to your buddy at the range and, and do a one-on-one to see who's faster and stuff like that and kind of have a little bit of uh, competition between the two. But outside of that, I don't know if – I don't really know if that is – I don't know if there's any – valuable training that you can pull from dry that. fire that's a bit early about it it's yeah. a again it's a great tool for um for having a, in a like a a recordable a data point when it comes to uh your recording so that's throwing me off right now <laughs> I like double recording um no so it's a good data point to have when you're dry firing to so you can say hey uh I started dry firing five minutes a day and my my draw from concealment was, you know, 6.420 seconds, but now it's, you know, 6.9 seconds or something like that. Um, that so is the you, slowest draw from concealment ever. That just depends on where you conceal them, man. Have you seen those flashbang holsters before? Man, those are the ones that go on your, your bra. No. Like you have to, like, reach underneath your shirt. I don't grab. wear a bra, so I wouldn't. Oh. Uh, <laughs> There's a fat joke in here that I was prom- I promised not to fat shame the host. But uh no the um but yeah that's I think that's where the one R one really, really, really shines. Because it also gives you an opportunity um when it comes to uh when it comes to dry firing to get more trigger pulls off on your uh on uh on each repetition instead of you know dry draw fire uh Drawing, dry firing, and then do the reset, um, resetting your slide if you don't have any sort of cool um, gadgets to simulate recoil, reset your trigger. So back to fact shaming uh, and talking about the fitness aspect of it. Everybody thinks fitness is all about being in the gym, lifting weights, uh, going on long runs and everything else. But there's one critical piece that we always kind of overlook, and that is... You can do all of this stuff and never lose a pound of fat because we're not eating correctly. So if you guys don't know, Hefe has been my trainer for well over a year. Side of that trainer. Yeah, he's not he's not, you know, he doesn't have certificates or anything like that. But when it comes to doing proper forms and lifting and motivation and stuff like that, uh, Hefe has been my guy for well over a year. Um, we're approaching two years at this point, but, um, I lean on his expertise quite a bit because he's, you know, he's really living, uh, the lifestyle. So as far as a diet goes, what would you suggest if someone were to walk up and say, Hey man, I just need to get my diet under control. What would you recommend? Get rid of soda. That's really about it. Mm. Um, sodas are are the devil um cut back on alcohol intake and more often than not you'll see what and that's the the hard thing too is it's the the first question is what is what is the goal um this is one of my the mentors i had coming up in this whole gym thing aaron used to talk about was someone would say hey this is what i want like this is what um I want to do, I want to lose weight. I'm like, okay, why do you want to lose weight? What's the goal? Like, what's the purpose behind it? If you want to like look good naked, do you want to be stronger? Do you want to look more ripped? Um, there, those all have different, different outcomes for what you want. If you want to put on a lot of muscle mass and be strong, you're going to have to eat a lot. You're going to have to eat a lot of protein, a lot of calories in to get that mass. It's not going to be pretty. You're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be the was it was Jason Momoa? Is that mm, the guy? Yeah, is that sure. The superhero dude, yeah. Aquaman, Aquaman guy. Yeah. Um, not you're not going to look like him because that's all you know. Uh, 
very unhealthy dieting habits that they have and also personal trainers and other unique chemical aspects that help them have help them help no. them along um so when it comes to dieting my usual recommendation again is first of all cut sodas down or completely out of your diet um you'd be surprised at how much better you feel if you just kind of stick to some basic drinks um think of uh you know simple black coffees and water uh if you're going to drink drink in moderation uh don't make it a, a nightly thing uh drink light beers or clear clear liquor uh, liquors uh, vodka vodka not vodka. vodka that stuff's terrible um that's great uh that's always a good starting point uh and then my suggestion would be usually is just to clean up your eating first. Uh, and what I mean by that is buy things that are um, buy whole foods and make food. Don't buy food. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, processed food versus yeah, processed actual food versus foods. it's it's very easy to go to the frozen food section and get a week's worth of dinner. It's very easy. You yeah. can go do that every day. It's like hey, I'm going to get you know 16 bean burritos and pay nine dollars for a um, a you know, a, a six uh, six pack of, of party pizzas, and you're gonna you're gonna eat, and you're gonna be, feel full, and you're gonna feel great. But it's that's not food. I'd say um, one of the tricks is do majority of your shopping on the outer ring of of um, the shop, uh, whatever grocery store you have. Um, get a lot of dairies. Don't be afraid of fats. Don't be afraid of uh, of meat. You don't have to. You don't have to go to a broccoli, brown rice, and chicken diet to to be healthy. You just have to eat food, eat quality food, um, buy local where where and whatever you can, um, and then um, avoid avoid sugary, super processed foods and seed oils. Don't eat seed oils. Oh man, let me tell you, sugary. That you just said the my weakest link is sugary sugary foods. Uh, I can I can give up soda no problem if I need to uh, I'm I might have um, I wouldn't say one a day I would say probably one every two or three days I'll have a, a soda uh, but when it comes to any type of sweet I mean even today today I ate relatively clean mm-hmm. you know uh, and I could tell by the by the afternoon my body was like dude where's the carbs mm-hmm why are you starving me from carbs? I need, I need some, uh, some type of sugar in me right now, you know? So that's, um, another, uh, if, if you look at, um, any sort of uh, crash diet is probably the better, best term to do it. If you're looking at doing something like, um, Renaissance periodization, keto dieting, um, if it fits my macro dieting, if you were going to do something like that, um, my suggestion is to, um, Find sort of ba- some sort of baseline, do it for about six weeks, and then take about two weeks off, and then reassess and then try something new. Um, this even on our in our our family, I know we we did keto for the past about we did it for about six seven weeks, uh, actually closer closer to eight weeks, and we've been off of it for two weeks. Um, and the the results between my wife and I are completely different, um, and. It's one of those things where I it, I didn't get the results that I wanted. Or let me rephrase that: I got results. I just didn't want those results in particular. And my wife got, saw great results, so she wants to continue it. Um, everyone's body res, uh, re, um, responds differently to different things. There's some people that can eat um, that have the metabolism that can eat carbs and fats and whatever they want, and still maintain a generic um, level of of decent health. Um, if they just add moderate working out with it, um, then there's some people that the second they they eat a Kit Kat bar, they uh, get 15 fucking pounds, and, yeah. and that's that's about it. Yeah. So the the hard thing when it comes to any sort of nutritional advice is there's no there's no blanket ter- uh, blanket thing you can tell people. Just clean up your eating, get rid of as much processed food as you can, and then start playing around with um, your macros and figure out what best fits your what you are desiring to have your desire to be the Schwarzeneggers of the world start buying trend and um ingesting a lot of protein and a lot of calories from uh, protein uh, sorry a lot of co- proteins from calories calories from protein 
Man, it's, it's a long day. Sorry. It's a long day. Yeah. Long day. Long day. Yeah, a lot of calories. From, it, we're recording this at like 9 o'clock at night, and I've been up since 3.30. So, um, yeah, a lot of um, your calories come from your protein um, rather than fats or, or carbs. If you are someone who does a lot of long-term, um, long endurance, carbs are going to be your friend. If you're someone who lives somewhat a sedimentary lifestyle, um, oddly enough, um, low carb, high fat diets are really good for you. So, um, it's just, it's something you have to play with. It's the, once you start, if you look at this kind of as a a progression system, clean up your eating first, get a good base going of what macros that your body likes and then start playing around with numbers from there. Yep. So the, the biggest key is to find something that you're going to enjoy eating as far as like cleaning up your diet, as Hefe was mentioning earlier, is cleaning up your diet and making sure that you have something that uh, you enjoy eating. I know that uh, back in 2019, I trained for a fight um, and had to cut a lot of weight very, very fast. And uh, it was like he was saying that broccoli, uh, rice, and chicken breasts every single day for just about every single meal. And I could tell you that it got old really quick. But what I did find out is that salsa is your friend. Well, so that's the, that's what a lot of people, that's why a lot of dieting fails really, really fast is that that's what they think that that's the, the, the ways being a very disciplined mindset where you only have, um, three meals, three meals or three to four meals a day, you have the chicken, brown rice, uh, chicken, brown rice and broccoli. Um, and then you're, you can be strong for a week, maybe a week and a half. And then you start adding your cheat days in yep. and you start it's like, well, I'm still seeing results with a cheat day here yep. or there. And then eventually it starts collapsing and then you don't want to do that anymore. So, and then it's a birthday if, no. and then it's a half birthday. Yeah. Then it's a, and then it's then Halloween. It's, then, yeah, it's Halloween it's into Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving into yeah, the, yeah. So, um, the, the better way to look at it is, um, find something that is sustainable. You're the, the, the best way to describe a weight loss journey. If you're just looking for straight weight loss is it's not a, a straight line from, from whatever your goal weight is or from where you're starting to you're finishing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mountain pass. It's, there's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. There's some days you're going to, some weeks you're going to lose three or four pounds. There's some days, some weeks you're going to gain five or six. Um, as long as you're continuing to go down the path and try to do as best you can on your journey, um, you're going to, you're going to see the results eventually. It's just going to take a lot of hard work and dedication. Yeah. And there's sometimes that, that you are going to have to do the, the chicken, um, the brown rice and broccoli for me. Um, Right now, the the inter, for me, it's intermittent fasting, high fat diet with a lot of red meat, to get to kind of what I'm trying to achieve yep. in fitness, uh, the fitness world. So um, most of my lunches are just a pound of hamburger. Yep, yeah, and that's <laughs> what my meal prep is right now. Is uh, I think it is a um, vegetable medley with quinoa and uh, ground turkey. Sounds and, no, it's actually really uh-huh. good. I've got some. I've got some really good um, meat seasoning that I've thrown on there. Uh, <laughs> it adds a little. Uh, <laughs> adds a little. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is the, the things that you guys miss from the podcast, but the expression on his face. <clears throat> but it adds a little bit of salt into that a little bit more, mm-hmm. and then you know mm-hmm. it helps me drink a little bit more water throughout the day as well. So. Um, that actually wasn't too bad. I've really enjoyed that so far. And then uh, earlier this month, uh, the month of October, when we're recording this, I was able to uh, harvest a deer. So that's going to be some really good lean meat uh, as well. Um, and hopefully there will be several more uh, that I'm able to harvest to fill up the freezer for the rest of next year. But uh, there's our take on diets. It's not something that is very specific. If you guys have uh, specific questions, definitely uh, send an email to us and we can either address that in a future episode or, um, you know, send you an email back or whatever the case may be. But uh, that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, We've gone over our hour, uh, but, uh, you know, it happened from time to time. So 
<clears throat> with that being said, uh, Hefe, as always, I'm going to give you the last 30 seconds here, or at least give you 30 seconds to say whatever you want, uh, dad advice or however you want to end it out. Oh, so we kind of hit our male audience. We're going to do it twice in a row, batting a thousand again. There we go. Uh, for you guys, like real talk here real quick, uh, st- stop watching porn. Mm-hmm. Just stop watching it completely. Um, the amount of damage you're doing to yourself, you just don't recognize it. The damage you're doing to your relationships. Uh, it's just, it's just bad, man. So find yourself a good, as I said last week, our last Last time we recorded, find yourself a good woman. You, you won't need it about that point. There you go. There you go. Uh, last 30 seconds for me. Um, man, that's that's kind of hard to top. I, I don't know if I can top that right now. Um, but I will say I don't care what kind of firearm that you carry on an every single day basis. But number one, carry every single day. Make sure that you've trained with that firearm. Make sure you're proficient with it. You know how to shoot it, shoot it well, reload it, um, and defeat um, any type of malfunction. And be ready to be ready for the fight each and every single time it Character comes to you. Hit as well. Oh yeah, medical. Don't forget medical. So with that being said, that is going to end episode two. Thank you guys so very much. Uh, as mentioned before, several times in this episode, we do have an email address. You can also find us on uh, Instagram at uh, live, laugh, LARP underscore podcast. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much all that you can. You find me at Hefe underscore actual at Hefe underscore actual. There you go. There you go. Instagram uh, at Hefe underscore actual. You got fit underscore fire uh for me for a second (laughs) i know i did yeah i forgot my name Uh, yeah i forgot my name oh you can also find me on instagram if you guys want to check out some um videos and youtube yeah youtube yeah um so thank you guys very much for uh, joining us this time on episode two we are going to be launching podcasts every first and 15th of the month so dropping the first two this time and then episode three will drop the 15th of November and on and on and on from there. So thanks again. And we will catch you guys next time. And as always, don't forget to live, laugh and LARP. See you guys later. In your girlfriend's basement.